with the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. The New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. Back to throw is Darnold. Looks left, has time, looks over the middle. Fires one down the left sideline towards the end zone. Robbie Anderson, he's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! Takes the snap, looks right, throws right up the middle. He's got the long pal. In stride at the 15, at the 10. He's into the end zone. That's a Jet touchdown! Sam Darnold hit him in stride. Winning a Super Bowl is everyone's goal. Everyone on the team wants to win a Super Bowl. Anything short of that is a failure. And whatever my role is, I'm going to start in that role to work us towards that Super Bowl. One, two, three, and the home of the Jets! This is the Gangrene Nation Podcast with Michael Day. Hello and welcome back to the Gang Green Nation podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nania. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving itself. And of course, the Jets do fall to the New England Patriots, 27-13. to Their fifth straight loss falling to 3-8 on the season. They sit at fourth in the draft order right now, one game behind the Cardinals, 49ers, and Raiders, who are all 2-9, and tied for the number one pick. So Jets sit at the fourth overall pick right now. They're slumping. Uh, at three and eight, playoff hopes are out the window. So they move on this week. They're going to play in Tennessee against the Titans. Sam Darnold, his status is still up in the air. It seems like this week that there could be a chance Sam Darnold does play. Obviously, whether or not Darnold plays the rest of the season is going to be a really key talking point. It'll be interesting to see if Darnold can get out there and maybe build some confidence going into next season and kind of uh, move on from the slump he had over his past few games before going out. But Before we talk about Tennessee, I want to go over a little bit of the numbers behind what happened against New England. So let's start with the offensive line. Uh, This was a really interesting uh, game to track in terms of the hits allowed, sacks, pressures. It was kind of hard to pin the blame because the Patriots in this game brought pressure in a lot of really unique ways. A lot of uh, blitzes overloaded on one side, a lot of uh, all-out blitzes at times. McCown in this game took 13 hits, including the two sacks that he takes, so... Uh, the two sacks that he took, so 13 total knockdowns for McCown in this game, but I only pinned eight of those on the offensive line because, like I said, there were a lot of blitzes in this game that were really carefully crafted by the Patriots and ended up working out really well. So overall, I pinned the offensive line for 15 pressures in this game on 48 protection snaps, which is 31.3%, which is a pretty decent number, and I thought most of the starting five did a really good job in pass protection. Both of the tackles were pretty solid. Kelvin Beecham, I only hit with one pressure. Brandon Shell only with two. And Shell now with a few good games, a couple of good games in a row since his poor outing against Miami a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Brian Winters, I thought, played a tremendous game. No pressures allowed for him. He was really strong in the run game. And he, he had one of his classic games where he's just aggressive. He's on point with his blocks, just putting people on the ground. That's what Brian Winters can do. He clearly plays with a level of aggression that Teams want in their offensive linemen. Obviously, you hope to have it with every single guy. But with Winters, he does have a really kind of special, different aggressiveness with his play. And this was one of his better games this season, I thought. He was putting a lot of people on the ground in pass protection, especially uh, one of the things that Winters can struggle with in pass protection is his awareness. Sometimes he's late to help out if he doesn't have someone to block. Uh, Some defenders can slip past him and end up getting to the quarterback because he's a beat late to recognize, but when he is 
uh, recognizing things quickly enough and on his game in that facet, he can lay some really devastating hits on blocker or defenders and pass rushers who aren't ready for him. And this was a great example of that. He helped out Brandon Shell quite a few times, gave Jonathan Harrison some help with some really big hits. So this game was a really good demonstration, I thought, of Brian Winters at his best. And with him likely looking uh, looking like he's going to be back starting again next season, and obviously the Jets needing as much help as they can get up front for Darnold long-term, it'll be interesting to see if Winters can keep this up. Because this is, this is now a couple of really good games in pass protection in a row for Winters since being in on three sacks against the Dolphins back in Week 9. So... A good stretch here for Winters, and I'm interested to see if he could keep that up. Uh, Jonathan Harrison, I thought, had one of his better run-blocking games. The Jets didn't run the ball that much. Uh, only 12 running back carries in this game, six each for Isaiah Crowell and Elijah McGuire. This was a total pass, mo- a very pass-heavy effort, uh, trailing most of this game against New England. But I thought Harrison had one of his better run-blocking games. I had him for two run-game assists, no stuffs allowed. Um, but the one negative part of the offensive line was ironically the guy who kind of got a lot of positive attention from the fans after this game and that was Spencer Long who moved over to left guard with James Carpenter now in IR. Long moved over, slid from the center spot to the left guard spot where he's probably going to play the rest of the season and Long does have experience playing guard. He played in college, he started his career in Washington playing guard before moving over to center his past few years prior to being signed by the Jets. So he has experience there, and some of his best play has been at the guard position, even though he was decent at center in Washington. But it's going to be an interesting um, thing to look at to see if Long can play better at guard, considering how much he struggled at the center position. And obviously with the Jets having the flexibility to cut Long after the season without taking any cap hit, um, he has a lot to prove to avoid that fate because This is a unit that struggled. He's been the primary reason it has. So with the season over halfway over, I think that Long has, he has to do quite a lot to avoid that fate of being cut and the Jets looking for really any option to replace him. But moving over to left guard is an interesting opportunity. But I do think that this was not a good start for him. I think that the thing is with one of the primary reasons Long took heat at center is because of the snapping issue. But even though that was really terrible and it was really affected by injury. Todd Bowles didn't help him out by sitting him down when he clearly was struggling. But even though the snapping issues were inexcusable, that's the primary reason he took heat because it's such a rare problem for a center to have. But at the same time, he was still really struggling and pass protection at a league worst kind of rate in terms of the pressure he was allowing. So it wasn't just the snapping when he was at center. His pass protection and his run blocking were both really hurting this offense. So Now having him at left guard without the snapping being an issue at all, I think that combined with the fact that Spencer Long did have one really nice open field block on Jason McCourty in this game, that uh, it was impressive and it uh, set the tone for a really big Isaiah Crowell run. And that one popped out watching it live, but outside of that, it wasn't a good game for Long at all, especially in pass protection. I tagged him for five hits allowed on Josh McCown, five hits. That's more than he had over the entire season to date, as bad as he's been. He allowed McCown to get knocked down five times, gave up one more additional hurry in the past game. And also there was a sack that was primarily on coverage, but it was Spencer Long whose matchup ended up bringing McCown to the ground. So six pressures I tagged him with, plus one more sack that wasn't primarily on him, but he was in on. 
So six total pressures for Long, not a good game at all for him in pass protection. And it was ugly at times. There were plays where he was completely smoked, whether it was a slide protection where he completely misjudged uh, an inside spin move he gave up once that was really ugly. A couple rip moves, swipes. He, he was just completely overmatched in this game. So obviously, like I said, it seems like that Long has a really lo a long way to go trying to make up for his struggles over the early parts of the season, first half of the season, to try and return in a starting role for the Jets next season, considering the savings they could pick up by moving on from him. So this was not a good start. And like I said, even prior to this game, I thought that Long had a, a lot to do to make up for what he's done. And this was not a good start at all. So personally, I think barring all pro level kind of play from him over the next few weeks, the next five games straight, uh, I think Long has definitely played his way out the door. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see uh, if he could bounce back after this one game, his first game starting at guard in a while. So that'll be interesting to watch. But overall, I thought it was a pretty solid performance from the offensive line. So let's move on to the coverage. And this was an interesting game. Tom Brady in this game only completed 20 passes. And that was the fewest passes he's completed in a road victory since his victory over the Jets at MetLife Stadium last year uh, in week six, I believe. Yeah, week six. So fewest completions for Brady in a road win in over a year. And the coverage in this game was there were some ups and downs, but the obvious plus, and actually we'll get to that later. I'll go over some of the guys who struggled first. I think Avery Williamson in this game had his worst outing of the season in coverage. The Patriots made it a point to target him early on, and they definitely got a lot of production out of that. Williamson ended up with uh, five catches allowed on six targets for a season-high 83 yards, his first touchdown of the season, coming against Rob Gronkowski. Williamson uh, was covering Gronk underneath. Claiborne had him over top, and Claiborne actually came over with some really good timing and made it a really tough contested catch for Gronk. And at the same time underneath, Henry Anderson laid a huge hit on Brady as he let go of this pass. Anderson, by the way, played a really good game, uh, had a few pressures and stuff in the run game. But anyway, Williamson had pretty good coverage on Gronk, but then he caught him. He got caught looking back at Brady. It gave Gronk the separation that he needed to get open and make a classic Gronk catch with Claiborne draped all over him. So Williamson was primarily responsible for that touchdown, a season-high 83 yards. For him, a few mistakes in zone coverage. So Williamson on the whole has had a nice season in coverage. He had some problems there last year with Tennessee, and that's the reason that he was a two-down player for the Titans last year. Obviously, replacing Demario Davis this year, the goal was for Williamson to come in and be an every-down linebacker, and he's done it really well. His coverage has been much improved. He's done well in zone coverage, limiting targets in his direction. He's never going to be a guy who could lock up people, uh, tight ends, running backs, and man coverage, kind of like Darren Lee can flash at times, because Williamson is a downhill, strong, run-defending Mike linebacker, so that's never going to be his strength, but he's done a nice job in zone coverage, like Demario Davis did last season. The reason Davis was so great last season, and arguably the best player on the Jets' defense, was because he made strides in coverage. He defended the flat really well, made a lot of great tackles, in open space in the past game. And that's why Davis was so good last year. And now is one of the best linebackers in the league for the saints. Williamson's come in and done the same thing. So even though this was a rough game, uh, it's an example of where Williamson can be exploited, but it hasn't happened much this season. So we'll see if this is something that his former team, 
the Titans, who he'll be going up against this week. We'll see if that's something they try to exploit and if this is something that snowballs for Williamson or if he could get back to where he has been for most of the season. Uh, so moving on in coverage, looking at the DBs in this game, Tremaine Johnson uh, wasn't as bad as some of his previous games, but still he allowed a team high three first downs, uh, five catches on seven targets for 58 yards, 8.3 yards a target, which is better than a season's average, but still not ideal. But Johnson in this game, he did make a nice play covering Cordero Patterson on a deep play. Uh, it was a play that he could have picked off if he reacted a little bit earlier. So I thought that was a missed opportunity, but still good coverage on that deep bomb. Uh, had a good, a few good tackles underneath in zone coverage. He That's one thing I don't think Johnson struggled with. I think his tackling for the most part has been at least decent this year. He is a lengthy guy who his underneath tackling has been a really key part of his game throughout most of his career. But in coverage still, he's he got beat on a few intermediate plays uh, looking at uh, who exploited him in coverage, gave up two catches for 30 yards, two first downs to Josh Gordon, and a 20-yard first down to Chris Hogan. So, I mean, it was a better game for Johnson. He did flash with some plays underneath, but still, you got to see better than this from him. If he's going to consistently give up eight yards a target, three first downs a game, that's better than some of what he's given them at times this season, the Jaguars game, the Bills game last week, but it's still not ideal for the price they're paying him. So, Johnson's going to play as long as he's out there over the rest of the season. Most downs, he's going to be the number one corner. He's going to be back next season. So you do want to see Johnson uh, start to improve and give you some hope going to next season that he could potentially have a bounce back year. And obviously, it's kind of a dubious thing to hope for considering Johnson's age. He's going on 29 next year. So it's already tough considering his age and the fact that he struggled this season. But hopefully he can improve down the stretch of the season because the Jets are stuck with him next year. So Morris Claiborne in this game did give up one first down, only one first down, but three targets for 47 yards. It was a decent game for Claiborne. Wasn't picked on too often, but the big star in this game was clearly far and away Jamal Adams. And this guy is, he's just becoming one of maybe the only reason to tune into this team every week. He's becoming so fun to watch, such a great player, arguably dominant, and every single week he's moving closer to being, and it's a tough call to make if you don't watch enough of these guys on other teams around the league, but he's moving closer to being arguably the best safety in this game, and the thing with Adams is that he came in kind of, his skill set kind of suggested that he would be a box safety, primarily a run defender, and his rookie season, that that's what he was. He defended the run pretty well, made a lot of big hits, but he's exploited a lot in coverage, gave up quite a few touchdowns, I believe six last year in coverage, and two of those were against Gronk in the first meeting between the Jets and the Patriots last year. So Adams has made a lot of strides in coverage this season, but the Jets haven't faced the toughest slate of opposing receiving tight ends. So this game against the Pats was always going to be a great test for Adams to see how real these coverage strides were. And Man, was he he was up to the task completely. And as as boring as this Jets game was at times, just watching Adams, he's moving at a completely different speed, playing at a completely different level. He is he is so fun to watch. And the Jets are lucky to have this guy. Yes, uh, the Jets passing on Watson and Mahomes is always going to hang over Adams until Sam Darnold becomes what we hope he becomes. But he's great, this guy. So Adams in this game, six targets, eight yards, no first downs, three pass breakups. Uh, all of his targets in this game, he broke up a pass against Julian Edelman, broke up two passes against Gronk, 
forced another incompletion against Gronk, uh, held Gronk to a seven-yard catch short of the sticks in which he actually gave up negative yards after the catch and held Josh Gordon to a one-yard catch on a third down play. He was dominant in this game, and his it's just the instincts with Adams. Last season, as much as he was exploited in coverage, he was really, really close on a lot of the plays he was. Sometimes he was a little bit early. Sometimes he's a little bit late. Sometimes he's too aggressive playing the ball. Sometimes he's too laid back. He was he was there, but he was just a little bit off. But a year of experience, and he has definitely made up that tiny inch that he was missing last year. And now he's making play after play just with amazing instincts and timing. Meeting This first play against Gronk, he's the deep safety here. Looks like he's playing a deep zone. Gronk runs a short out route on a third down, and Adams is breaking on this route before Gronkowski cuts outside, before Brady even looks that way, and he meets Gronk as soon as the ball arrives, and that's extremely key playing uh, defensive back in the NFL today. You know refs are getting more and more flag happy in coverage. It's an offensive first league primarily because of that. So you can't get there too early. You can't get there too late. You got to be right there at the perfect time. And this is something Adams has done all year. And especially in this game, flashed numerous times uh, on this play. He meets Gronk as soon as the ball arrives. He hits Gronk perfectly on the football, forcing Gronkowski to drop a pass that he usually catches. We know what Gronk is capable of. Jets fans, we see it every single year. But Adams, he just brings it differently. He, his timing's perfect this year. His instincts have flashed, and like I said, he, he's just made up that inch, and he's now arriving at plays just in time to break them up. And now this play against Julian Edelman later in the game, uh, it looks like a short, uh, a little dig route in the middle of the field, about a 15-yard dig for Edelman. Adams is over top. There's help underneath, and Adams just arrives perfectly and lays a, a hard hit on Julian Edelman, and Again, with Edelman, we've seen him make catches like this time and time again for the Patriots, but Adams, he's always been a hard hitter. That's something you knew he would bring. He brought it last season, but now in coverage with the way he's reacting so, so perfectly, and I said that word a bunch of times, perfect, but it just looks like Adams, his timing is that good this year, and he breaks up this pass against Edelman, but maybe the most impressive part of what Adams did in coverage was Back-to-back plays here uh, in the second quarter, I believe. Gronkowski lines up one-on-one outside against Adams, and this is a guy who has more receiving touchdowns than anyone else since he entered the league. 6'6", over 260. He's got 5 inches and 50 pounds on Adams. Twice, Adams lines up one-on-one outside against Gronk. The first play, Brady looks there right away. It looks like they're looking for a deep fade. This is about the Pats are lining up from the Jets' 16. So they're looking for a fade to the front right pylon and Adams covers this so well that Gronk has to end up batting this pass away to prevent the interception and the thing I love about this play is that one of Adams struggles in coverage last season maybe his kryptonite if you will is physicality at the top of routes and especially against Gronk there would be times where Adams would trip or he would take the bait and maybe try to make a play on the ball and miss on it and give up big yardage after the catch uh, happened against David Njoku last year against Cleveland as a big example, but tight ends would be physical with Adams and he wouldn't really be able to respond. He'd get knocked off his footing and as smart of a player as he is, he was getting beaten physically and wouldn't be able to use that IQ and those instincts to stick with guys. But this year it's not happening. He's making first contact. He's staying aggressive and he's not losing his footing. And you see it on this play with Gronk. He just doesn't let him establish that position and he beats him to the spot. And this would be an interception if Gronkowski 
doesn't knock it away. So the very next play, right after that incompletion, Pats line up in almost the exact same alignment. Jets line up almost the exact same defense. Adams is one-on-one against Gronk outside. Same exact result. Adams beats Gronk to the spot. And Brady, partially because of the last play, the result of what happened on the previous snap, Brady forces this play outside. The ball lands out of bounds just because of how tight of a window Adams is creating with his coverage against Gronk. So it was an insanely good game from Adams in coverage. Yeah, it wasn't perfect for him overall. He took a few bad angles in the run game, uh, but overall he did still make a few other stuffs, but I think he got to look past a couple minor mistakes. This was a great, great game from Adams, and if the Jets don't take anything else out of the season, they can take out of it that Jamal Adams is a stud, and he's going to be for this team for a very long time. So Adams was fun to watch in this game. It was a tremendous demonstration of his potential and the strides that he's made this season against great competition, a great quarterback, a couple of really good receivers that uh, he had trouble, uh, some troubles with last year. But this game, as much as any this season, was a perfect demonstration of how far he's come and how good he's going to be uh, as long as he's in a Jets uniform. Hopefully that's for a decade, maybe longer. So we'll see how uh, how long Adams is here. But for now, he is, and he is an absolute force and the unquestioned best player on this team. So looking ahead to Tennessee, uh, a few numbers that I'm looking at, uh, a couple matchups for because, of course, we're focusing mostly on the young players and the development of guys who will be here in the future and hopefully for a very long time. So a few of the matchups against the Titans, one that really stood out to me, uh, is the Jets' red zone offense against the Titans' red zone defense. The Jets have been last in the league in touchdown production in the red zone throughout the majority of the year. They still are last in the league in red zone offense. The Titans are fourth in red zone defense. So you look at both the run game and the pass game in the red zone. The Jets are dead last in yards per rush in the red zone and 30th and first down rate rushing. So the offensive line, when it's mattered, and run blocking is something the Jets have really struggled with this season, the run blocking the offensive line might be the weakest unit of maybe the entire team, definitely the offense, uh, aside from Darnold's struggles at quarterback. But really, as a whole, the Jets' run blocking up front has hurt them a lot. So that's a, a area where they're really going to look to improve next season. But in the red zone is where those struggles have popped up the most. And red zone offense is how you uh, score in the NFL. That's how you become a good offense. You look at the differences between the best offenses in the league and maybe the good ones that aren't great. It's the ability to perform in the red zone. And that's something the Jets haven't done this season. You look back at the Jets' best seasons over the past decade or so, back to 2015, the Jets, the reason, a big reason that they were so good that season is that they were great in the red zone. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, they were on the same page in the red zone constantly that season. And it's a big part of the reason the Jets were a top 10 scoring offense that season But the following year, the Jets fell down to, I believe, last in the league in red zone offense. And in turn, 2016 happened. So red zone is very important. It's probably the most important part of an offense in today's NFL. Maybe I don't even think if that's a today thing. But anyway, red zone is very important. Jets have struggled there this season, especially the offensive line has collapsed with its run blocking in that area. Uh, And then the pass game, too, in the red zone. The Jets second fewest passing touchdowns in the red zone this year, only six. And the Titans have allowed the fewest touchdowns in the red zone this season. So if Sam Darnold does come back, and even if it's Josh uh, Josh McCown, I'm going to be interested to see if the Jets can get something going in the red zone against a really good passing defense in the Titans in the red zone. Uh, So what's interesting is the target uh, target distribution the Jets have had in the red zone this season. 
Robbie Anderson got his first red zone target of the season against the Patriots, which is pretty curious. I think that uh, even though Anderson, you think of him as a deep guy first, his skill set doesn't really match up with the red zone. It's one target over the course of the season is still pretty curious. And part of that is on him, just the fact that his skill set doesn't translate to the type of routes that he would run in the red zone. But you'd hopefully like to see Ant- Anderson somehow get more involved. Uh, Quincy Nunwa has seven targets in the red zone this season and no touchdowns. So that's something you'd like to see better. And both of these guys, I think, they both have one really good tool. You look at Nunwa's yak ability, his ability to make people miss after the catch, pick up first downs after the catch, ed- execute screenplays. That's something Nunwa is great at. Anderson, his deep ball ability, even though it hasn't been there this season because of maybe a more conservative offense. Uh, Darnold struggles down the field. Josh McCown now in, these, uh, in this past game, not looking for Anderson much and missing him when he did. I think Anderson's production can be, lack of production can be blamed a lot on the quarterbacks in the scheme, but it, it's still there, his deep ability. You can see the speed hasn't gone anywhere. He's still gotten open a lot this season, even though he hasn't cashed in as much due to some other circumstances and partially his own slight decline. And a thing with Anderson is that he's clearly the type of player whose effort will wane a little bit based on his involvement in the game, how much success he's having, whether the team's leading or trailing. He is definitely that kind of player, which obviously isn't ideal, but it's just who he is. And definitely, I think things have snowballed this season. Darnold missing a few times early in the season. And one of the things we wanted to see from Anderson was, could he develop the rest of his game? on the go route and I think last season you started to see signs of it especially if you remember the Chiefs game last year Anderson dominated the Chiefs in that game without even catching a deep pass because the previous game against the Panthers Anderson went off down the field with a couple of amazing deep touchdowns so the Chiefs gave him a ton of respect in that game and Anderson ate up with 10 yard curl after 10 yard curl 8 yard curl uh, 10 yard slant just short passes after short pass that helped the Jets have their high scoring game of the season last year. So it was a flash of what that Anderson could contribute to an offense in ways beyond the deep ball. But without that deep ball being there this season, I think Anderson's had a lot of trouble developing the rest of his game without having his best asset there to bounce off of and work off of. So I think it'll be interesting to see over these past few games. Nunwa and Anderson, I'm still big fans of them. Uh, I think both should be brought back next year and Nunwa should be extended. Uh, Anderson is a restricted free agent, so I think the Jets would be smart to tender him, maybe use a second-round tender to get him back. So these are two guys who I definitely think could still be pieces long-term in spite of their struggles this season, but at the same time, they're not stars, and they do still have a lot of areas in their game where they can improve, and I think this Patriots game was a really good example. I think there were a lot of plays where guys just weren't getting open, whether it was Anderson, Anunwa, just not getting open, especially towards the middle of the field. The Jets have had very little production in the passing game towards the middle of the field this year. So I'm going to be interested to see, and both Anderson and Anunwa are still in the early half of their career. So I'm going to be interested to see if those guys, especially in the red zone, can make some improvements with their route running, flash a little bit more in ways other than their primary tools. So other than that, uh, the Jets run defense against the Titans. Rushing offense will be interesting. The Titans are one of the most run-first teams in the league. They're second to the Seahawks in ratio of rushing attempts to passing attempts. And this is a unit that has kind of struggled, even though they do like to run the ball a lot. Their efficiency has been near the bottom of the league. And this is an offensive line, especially on the interior, similar to the Jets that has struggled to run box. So 
This Jets run defense has given up over 200 yards on the ground in their past two games to the Bills and the Pats, two teams that aren't among the better rushing teams in the league this season. So the run defense has fallen apart recently, and this is a unit. This is the unit of the Jets that over these past few years, over this playoff drought, you could rely upon to be elite year after year, the Jets' run defense. But that hasn't been the case this year. They floated around the middle of the pack all year, and now over this losing streak, they started to collapse a little bit. This Patriots game was probably their worst run defense outing of the season. Just top to bottom, it was a really poor outing. The defensive line struggled. Leonard Williams, Nathan Shepard, even Steve McClendon, I think, really struggled in this game. Those guys were blown off the ball quite a bit by New England. Uh, at the second level, I think Avery Williamson struggled a bit. Darren Lee has continued to struggle uh, in run defense. He's had problems there all season. So I'm interested to see against this Titans run offense. It's going to be a, uh, this Titans ground attack is going to be a really good test for the Jets run defense. The Tennessee is a run first team. Marcus Mariota has only thrown 24 passes per game this season, an extremely low number, which is a, that's total game manager level right there. So we know the Titans are a run first team. They got a pair of two very distinct backs in Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry, who split the uh, pretty much split the carries, but Lewis is, uh, we're used to seeing him in New England. He's there receiving back when he has gotten those opportunities. Uh, they haven't looked to, looked to him enough in the past game, uh, based on what I've seen, but he can make plays in the passing game, and he's a shifty kind of back, but it has led to low efficiency from him this year. Uh, Lewis is averaging only 3.3 yards a carry, which is extremely low, and I think he kind of hasn't really fit in with the struggling offensive line so you have Lewis which is a shifty scat back Derrick Henry is obviously a huge bruiser uh his longest run of the season Henry this is interesting only 16 yards that's his longest run of the season but he's still at 3.9 yards per carry which is below average but considering that he hasn't had any big runs it's actually kind of respectable so anyway it'll be interesting to see if the Jets run defense could maybe bounce back this week against a Titans rushing attack that is as aggressive in the league and a couple of really distinct uh, running backs there that the Jets will be dealing with. So it'll be interesting to see what the Jets run defense could do this week against this ground and pound Titans team and have a chance to bounce back after these past couple of games struggling to stop the run. So, and I think that'll do it for this episode of the Gangrene Nation podcast. Thanks a ton for listening in. Uh, next week, actually, we're going to have a former Jet on the podcast was a big part of the last two Jets playoff teams in 2009 and 2010. So stay tuned for that. That is going to be a very interesting episode. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that one. So make sure you keep an eye out for this former Jet to be on the pod next week. Not going to tell you yet, but make sure you tune into that one. Uh, Jets and Titans this Sunday. Uh, right now, we don't know if Sam Darnold's going to play. I, I personally hope he does just to add some intrigue, some interest to this season that has really waned into one of the least interesting Jets seasons in recent memory and that's saying something but watching Josh McCown it, it could start to wear on you there's really just nothing on the line with this team every week that was a Jets Patriots game this last week and the only thing the only person that added any interest to this game was Jamal Adams the way he was dominating and making plays everywhere but the, it's just started to get boring and it really wears on you year after year not having anything to root for in November and December. So I do hope Sam Darnold is healthy and can get back out there and build some confidence towards the end of the season into next year. Uh, you look at the 49ers last year, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, put him in the lineup. They went on a winning streak to end the season and bouncing off of that, they were poised to be really good this year. And it looked like they were going to be 
until Jimmy Garoppolo went down. So maybe the Jets can have a finish like that, get Sam Darnold some wins, see him bounce out of the slump that he was on prior to going down due to injury, recapture some of his early season high. So hopefully Sam Darnold returns, but Jets and Titans this Sunday. Thanks a ton for listening in. Make sure you stay tuned next week for our upcoming interview with the former Jet. And thanks a ton for listening in. I'll be back to talk to some more Jets next week. This has been the Gang Green Nation podcast. Make sure to follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nanya. And keep up with everything Jets at GangGreenNation.com. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.